Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one listen to a really good cry with radhi devlukia on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it's another edition of bombing with me eric andre the podcast where i talk to friends comedians musicians and more creative types about their most embarrassing and cringe moments on stage this week i talked to good pal nikki glazer she's funny and hilarious and has her own show the nikki glazer podcast also on the big money players network she's my pod sister from another mister also she's the host of fuckboy island on the cw we talk about the time she fainted on stage at the just for laughs comedy festival in charming montreal and how to avoid panty lines and get pussy juice on your pants her words not mine you know the deal we publish new episodes every week rate us five stars and check out big money players diamond on apple Podcasts to get exclusive weekly bonus content plus ad-free episodes let's get into it bombing bombing with Eric Andre. Do you know the premise of this podcast? It's called Bombing. Yeah, I do. I've thought about some bombs. And I, I just want to know what the worst bomb you've ever had is. I think I black out really bad things happen to me, but... Black it back in, girl. White it in. Okay, but I, the worst time I fainted on stage was probably no the biggest I've ever bombed. way. You Dude, fainted? On stage, live. That's my worst nightmare. It was the first time I ever fainted. I didn't even know it could be a thing that I would ever happen to me. Oh my and it was God. awful. It was oh so my bad. God. What happened? Where, where were you? So I was doing a gig. It was 2007. It was right before the um, Montreal Comedy Festival, uh, but right before that week. And I had gotten new faces, which is a thing that's like, welcome to the industry. It's Nikki Glazer. And mm. it's like, you're being presented. It's so much um, pressure going to oh, yeah. Montreal to get flown out there. Oh, yeah. It's like you're. You really feel like it's your like star search moment. Your one chance, yeah. your one shot. They fly you out, Spirit Air, middle seat, three connecting <laughs> they, flights. Yeah, they give you no per diem. Yeah, it's uh, and then you do one five minute set. I think you had to pay for your own hotel, right? I think you actually did I think at they, some point. They don't even pay for you to go out. And you do five minutes yeah. on a packed show yep. with fifteen other people. Yep. And Tom Papa's hosting. Mm-hmm. And you go out and t- into a crowd of French people in the industry, and they're not great. And mm. the room is big and echoey and weird. And I was too young. The thing is, you want to be old in your class of, of 
new faces. What what year do you go? I didn't even think about that. You want to be the best, and whoever's the best is usually the oldest. What what um you don't want to be the old old man that is like we have one novel like sixty year old man, but you want to be the person who's been doing stand up longest relatively. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Maybe I maybe I went too early. A lot of us did. I did Aspen Comedy Festival. Okay. HBO Aspen Comedy Festival in two thousand. Six. I'd been doing comedy for three years. Oh wow! Wait, so that you did not—that did not pop you. I'm still working a temp job and waiting tables. Um, <laughs> it helped. It did help. I got an agent out of it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I got an agent out of it. I, it was the first time I got like representation, but I didn't. I wasn't making buku bucks at all. You didn't sign any deals. I did not sign any deals. No. So wait, what did you, how did you faint? So weeks leading up to this, I was so nervous. So I was having like a raging eating disorder. I was like not eating all day. And then I was like running after work and I was temping out of jobs and I was falling asleep constantly because I was so malnourished and I was smoking so much weed and just like literally my diet was like weed and like a froyo every day. And then sometimes I'd let myself eat a full meal if I was getting it for free because I was doing a show where they give you a a meal and that would be like Mm. my one, like I'm going to go bananas because it's free. So I was doing Hennessy's, which is a restaurant in Dana Point, which is like in the OC. And I had drove there after work. I also had run after work and smoked weed right before I left. So I drive down there. I haven't eaten all day. You're fucking, you're wild. Wild. Out of control. Trying to have so much control. um, Thinking I'm killing it. Did you drink in these days? I did, but I hadn't drank. I wasn't planning on drinking then. I think when I was in control phases of like, I got to lock it in. I'm doing Montreal. I would like lessen the drinking weed smoke more diet like control control and so and i think drinking was like that will make me fat so i was just like i thought being skinny enough was going to get me something there or make me funnier i don't know what the fuck so i um got to the show and i was i was like i knew that i was feeling weak and i was like i i need to order so i ordered right away and they go you could go up next and i was like i really need to eat something and they're like just go up next and then your food will be ready when you're done i was like okay so i go up and right when i'm up there i start to kind of feel like oh god but i don't know the feeling and i'm kind of having cognitive issues for the first time i think ever maybe where like you can't think of what you're saying and you don't at first you start panicking because you're like why am i not thinking what i'm saying so then you can't think of what you're saying because you're panicking about you're not thinking so it and then the tunnel vision started. And that's when I was like, uh-oh, uh, systems are shutting down. And I just said to the front row, I was like, I think I'm going to faint. And I go, is that is that awkward? <laughs> and then this woman just goes, yeah. And I was like, uh, it is. And then I just boom, boom, boom. And then I had a dream that I was in the ocean and that I was like washing up on the shore. But it was like me like falling against this like fucking railing that was behind me because there was nothing else and then it was the guys like coming up to catch me because I was like just crumpled on stage oh my and God. then I had a dream after the waves crashing which lasted a really long time I had a dream that I fainted on stage and I was like that's embarrassing and then you know when you wake up from a dream and you're like thank God that didn't happen yeah, like you're yeah. like yes so I just I had that moment of like oh <laughs> thank God I didn't faint on stage and then I woke up and I'm like oh it's real and it was like the worst realization it was I've never had it where you think a nightmare is a nightmare oh, and you and then it turns into real no. it was the first time and i was That'd be bad it was so embarrassing the room was dead quiet i think i woke up from like the quiet and um and i was like 
murmuring I was diabetic into the microphone because I think, and I'm not, I think I just wanted to generate some kind of excuse that wasn't like, I'm anorexic. You know, like, I just Uh, think that my brain was trying. So they were all like, you're diabetic. I'm like, what? No. And then I Uh, ran into the bathroom because I was so embarrassed and I'm in the stall and I'm just like, and it's right off the stage and there's like hundreds of people in this room. This is a big, and they're all eating dinner. They're all eating like their shrimp platters and it's dead silent on stage and I'm in this stall and I'm by myself. No one else is in there and I was just like, my life is over. Like for some reason I thought this would get out and people would be like, she's a liability. And it was just felt, uh, it was wrapped up in my eating disorder at the time too. Like fainting is like really uh, like, I had been anorexic for so many years and never fainted and kind of prided myself on it. Cause that's when people are like, you need help. You're fainting. And I like never got to that level. So this is the first time that I was like, Oh God, my disease is like ruining my life yeah, and yeah. making it. So I can't stand up. Like this is embarrassing. Uh, so I would, then I was, in, then I got surge of anger, anger because I was so embarrassed. You know, like that Dane cook joke of like when you trip and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. With like, the side where you get like mad at whatever's behind you, but you're yeah. really just so embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. then I just was like filled with anger because I was just like so fucking too many feelings, and I burst out the doors of the women's room and I go, "Is anyone gonna fucking help me?" To this room of people oh. that are just like sitting there with it, oh waiting God. for me to come it out because they're end. worried. <laughs> it didn't end. And then I shot straight to the right and I went into the kitchen to be like, I need something to eat! My blood sugar's like, I was just like crazy yelling. I am not this type of person, but it was just an overwhelming, I've never felt so embarrassed. I've never had something happen to me like that. How did you get better? I came to my senses inside. I'm like stuffing bread into my face in the kitchen. And then I'm like, oh my God, there's only one way out of this kitchen. I gotta go back through. And I was so already like calmed down to feel like that was really embarrassing how I like, just that it happened, but also how I responded like, this is awful. And so then I just sheepishly walked out of the the room and everyone like applauded. Oh, oh God. God. Now I'm getting credit for like worse. walking. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. And then I had to convince them all I was okay to drive home. I'm like, no, I swear. But I couldn't say what it was. I was like, it was because I didn't eat all day. Like I was just too embarrassed of it. But um, yeah. And then that has happened to me one other time. But I knew I like took an edible once in Montreal, actually, but years and years later. And it hadn't it had nothing to do with my diet, but like an edible kicked in as I was on stage because the show was earlier than I thought and I wanted it to kick in when I was on a treadmill but instead I missed they called me while I was on a treadmill and were like you're up next and I'm like what the fuck so I ran over to the theater and I was like I didn't eat again I didn't eat and I um, you know a snack beforehand and the edible kicked on on stage and I was just like on stage and I go I think I'm gonna faint so I'm gonna hold on to the stool I'm gonna be right back but I do need the host to come back. And I'm like, not really making sense. And Robert Kelly is downstairs. Oh my God. After he just brought me on stage, he's downstairs taking a shit in the bowels of this, like, pun intended, of this, like, castle, you know, like St. Catherine or whatever it is. So he was like mid shit. And everyone's like, you gotta go back out there. She's gonna oh faint. Oh my God. And then I walked off stage and I just chugged a Coke. That was easier because I was just like, I've been through this before. This happens. And it didn't. But just totally fainting is. Was the it was the worst moment of my life? I think that's one wild. Of them. Is that when you started getting help for your eating disorder? No, you kept going. Yeah, like you because were like, this it isn't wasn't rock bottom. I can go farther, deeper. 
it, there wasn't time to hit rock bottom because I had to go to Montreal Comedy Festival. I'm not going to start like going to meetings right on that or whatever I needed oh, to I do. But I mean like, like around that time where you like, Oh, hey, you it. know, no. I, Cause it was off and on. Like mine would just always switch. I'd go from like starving myself to over-exercising to then binging to throwing up to, so it just would like change. It would morph. Getting actual, I got actual help when I was really, really sick and almost died. Like that was years prior when I was 19, 20. I like really got out of the phases where it was going to kill me. And then I, um, which was so great. Was like your hair falling out and stuff? Oh yeah. Like I was hospitalized and stuff. Oh. It was, it was gnarly. I was going to die. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, it was so bad, but I got out of it. And then I started doing stand-up and You're was- kind of bumming me out, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm sorry. Do you have any idea what I'm going through right now? This is always <laughs> happens to me when I start no, telling my truth. <laughs> my whole life is just me trying to tell people this. And then just being like, um, I was having a really good day and I'm just trying to keep it high vibes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I thought you wanted to know. Damn, that's pain. hardcore. I didn't know it was like hardcore like that. Yeah, dude. I got out of like, I'm not going to die from this so I can still do comedy because I cared enough about comedy that I was like, I don't want to die from this. Before I was like, please kill me. This is hell. Because oh, I couldn't eat. Where did that come from? It, you know, being insecure, being um, a perfectionist, OCD, yeah. uh, losing a friend to suicide in high school. Oh, you didn't being, being scared to leave home around college, not feeling like I had any talent, not being able to pursue. Like it was just stemmed from a lot of things of like, I need control in my life. Um, and so it just showed up in that way of like, Gosh. oh, I'll just be the best at not eating. And I really was. I was quite good at it. Were you so tired and weak and angry? Oh, and dude, it sucks so much. Whenever anyone imagine. sees someone that is anorexic, please have a little compassion for them. And I know it's like so confusing because you're like, eat something. All I can tell you is they can't. It doesn't make sense. And I still don't think it makes sense when I see people that are that thin. I'm literally like the same person I used to hate when they would say it to me and like eat a cheeseburger. But it, it's out of your control and um and they're cold and they're hungry. And you know how you get like a little bit, you get hangry, like Snickers commercials? Picture that all the time, nonstop, and it's never going to end because you're never going to eat again. And you know that. And so you're in for a lifetime of suffering. There is no exit. How do you survive like that? It's like- It sucks, dude. You need nutrients. Your cells need nutrients. It's oh, like and I was- I don't know. Yeah, it's it it shocks me now. Now I'm in a part of my recovery. It's not like perfect, but I thank God I'm in a phase of like I never get to starve. So if I'm hungry, I like have to eat. I don't get to like I don't get to answer that little part of my brain where it's like this feels pretty good. You're not eating right now and you're getting that lightheaded feeling and that oh, feels that you're no. losing weight. Like I don't get to chase that anymore. Oh, so that's whoa. like my rule for myself. What do you do intuitive whatever it's called, intuitive eating? Yeah, because that but that leads to you being like I only need to eat once a day and give an anorexic, uh, I, uh, you know, intermittent fasting diet and she will run with it until it's anorexia. Shit. Yeah. Cause we, that's what I loved when intermittent fasting came out. I was like, oh, I'm like, never anorexia is back. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can be anorexic again. Yeah. It's back baby. And now it's got a name and Joe Rogan's talking about it. And everyone who's anyone knows that this, like, you know, Tim Ferriss, this is the what wait he's telling us to do. So it felt I got back into it in like 2020 and then I got out of it again. Gosh. But it always comes back. But yeah, that was the, I think in terms of bombing that just that's the most uncomfortable I've ever been on stage and I felt uh really just bad. What's the most wasted you've ever been on stage? 
Oh man, that's a really good question. Have you been wasted on stage? Yeah, for sure. Like what? Stone, drunk, what? Drunk. I used to I quit drinking when I was 27, but before then I would get pretty damn wasted. And and not really ever on stage. I remember. We used to call you wasted Nikki. No, did you really? <laughs> No, no, I don't remember. I don't remember that. I'm not even kidding you. I like that's why I quit drinking. Is I'm like this is not a good look, and people will start talking about how you're no fun to be around, or you're like obnoxious, or you make you make too many friends, and you like make too many promises, and you're too fun. When were you like trash old on stage? I don't think on stage I can remember because I used to get blackout drunk, you know. So it's like I don't even know that I'd remember it if I if I were. I think that there have been times that I'm like so high on stage, but that's always like pretty fun and in like a challenge so all the blackouts you don't remember any of them do you remember being super stoned on stage or on acid yeah, or something I, yeah definitely stoned but i think stoned is like i don't get anxious from doing stand-up anymore so sometimes i smoke a little weed beforehand because i like i think the feeling of anxiety of being like i'm nervous about this performance like makes me a better right. comedian and a better right. performer because right. i care so sometimes i smoke a little weed so that i get like oh what if something happens? It feels like I'm t kind of t walking on a tightrope right. out there and like, whoa, I'm like c controlling this train of thought, which is like, you're so high right now. And I have to do this train of thought, which is like, what are you going to say next? And then also like, what am I saying right now? And it feels like I'm like an acrobat. Like I feel, um, I, I feel alive when I'm, I feel like I'm shoplifting or something. It feels like I'm getting away with something. <laughs> have you ever like done like a fucking hundred milligram chocolate chip cookie or something? No. And you went on stage like, I oh, Fuck, man. No, my biggest fear is being out of control in front of people. Like anyone witnessing. That's why fainting was so awful. So I would never do that. Like when Fergie Peter Pants at a performance. Oh, my God, dude. I wouldn't mind that. There's been times on stage where I've almost had. Like, peed. Okay. So women, when we're on our period, like sometimes you just start it or you are in the middle of it, you run out of tampons. And so you make a pad with like, you roll up toilet paper around your hand and you make like a makeshift pad with toilet paper that will soak enough of this it is, up. Like, unless you're disgusting. like, you know, hemorrhaging. This is disgusting. So I know I'm so sorry. And so you put it in your underwear. <laughs> yep. But one time I was on stage and it was, I was just wearing a thong. So it's just like a little string and it's not like a whole underwear thing holding it in. And it was starting to fall out and like unravel <laughs> like a bloody on stage? Like, TPing on stage? coming. Yeah, on stage. But I caught it in my my thighs. I closed them shut and was able to like wiggle and walk off stage. So that has happened where I've and I've been like, what would I fucking say? What would I do? I don't even know. But um, you should have just let it drop and been like, who wants some vampire tea? I think I would. <laughs> I think I would lean into it now. But at the time, it was like the most mortifying thing that could ever happen. Now, I don't care if my strings hanging out. It's like, who who cares? Who cares if someone's like your tampon string? It's like, oh, so I use a tampon. Like it doesn't. I don't. I don't understand. Like panty lines. People are like, your panty line showing. It's like, yeah, I don't want to get shit on this pair of pants. I want, or I don't want to like. Is that true? Like panty lines are not shit, but like, um, I don't want to get like pussy juice on my pants. <laughs> so I'm wearing underwear, like most people do. What is the crime? Oh, are panty lines like taboo or something? Yeah, pa that's why girls wear thongs because you don't want to see like it slicing your butt cheek in half and it kind of makes like for a bet, you know? Oh. It's better to just like look like you're like, I could be wearing nothing under this. And so we wear these uncomfortable uh, thongs, which I'm getting used to now. It's like flossing. Like you have to get calloused a little bit. That's like girls make rules for themselves. I don't know. Do guys notice that? Is that for? No, they don't. They don't give a fuck about a panty line. I mean, I think it does look more aesthetically pleasing in general. Like it's kind of a subconscious thing, but I don't think generally 
generally you'd, you'd guys don't notice anything guys are like duh I want beef stew duh you really don't did you see Fast and the Furious 75 the car went vroom 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 <laughs> and the other car went <laughs> do we we're not like um panty line gross <laughs> <laughs> You don't care about our nails. No. Like, that's a thing. It's so funny. No, we're like, huh? We're like, I hope you play with my wiener later. But some guys are like feet guys. So then you have to manicure if they're like looking at your feet extra hard. Like 1% of guys are feet guys. Yeah, I know. It's like Quentin Tarantino and Nick Cannon and that's it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like a, I'm not paying attention. A girl could have chicken feet. I wouldn't even know. Wow. Okay. I'd be like, do you like me? <laughs> Can we kiss on the lips? In relationships, would that be a thing that girls would get mad at you about? Like you don't have attention to detail. Would they? Has that ever been a complaint for you in a relationship? Uh, probably one of one of fucking one of five thousand. <laughs> Duh, I want french fries <laughs> with my beef stew. Ooga booga. Yeah, you guys are simpler. Yeah. It must be nice. Yeah. I'm at the age now where my horniness, my hungriness, and my sleepiness mm. are all equal. So if I'm like not getting laid, I'm like, well, I'm getting french fries and I'm getting eight hours of sleep. Hell yeah. Right. That's like as sick as like getting laid to me. I'm like, dude, I got eight hours of sleep. In my 20s, I'd be like, dude, I got laid last night. Now I'm 40. I'm like, dude, I got eight hours of sleep last night. That's so funny. <laughs> you got to do that as a bit. Write that down. Dude, I had French fries last night. Oh, hell yeah. My friends are like, are you for real? I'm like, hell yeah. I'm in a relationship and I will, <laughs> there'll be a moment in the evening where you choose food or fucking. Like, it's going to go either way. It can't be both. Dude, uh, I'll be honest. I think my testosterone's going down because, yeah, food is bit. I always choose food. Food is bit. I'm like. <laughs> Not only have I chosen food. And, and turn down the thing that's free right in front of me. I've paid $80 to have this food delivered to me and driven across town. Like, I waste money on the thing that I'm choosing over the free yeah. thing in front of me. It's crazy. Because <laughs> it's it, food is so fucking good. But then, yeah, you get too full to fuck. TFTF. Yeah. God, I have a story. I'll t- I have a story I'll tell you. Offline, mm. that is too hot for TV. That's a perfect... Oh, really? Like, I was about to have, like, the sex of my life, but... I ordered a fried chicken sandwich first, ate it, and then passed out before, before. No. Okay, I'll just tell it. I was about to have group sex, and I've never had group sex. <gasps> and I was like, it is on. I was like dating this girl that was particularly freaky. And like right before the other two gals came over, I, we ordered fried chicken sandwiches. We ate the fried chicken sandwiches, and we both passed out. And like, the gr- I woke up the next morning to like fifty-five missed calls, and I was like, I just missed out on the best sexual experience, potentially the best sexual experience of my life because I ate like half a sandwich <laughs> and passed out drunk. Yeah, it was like I was like, and I was like, and it'll never come back again. I was like, I'll never be a, no, maybe not, but I don't think it was meant to be. If that really mattered to you, you would not have chosen sleep and food. Were you so drunk and tired? I was drunk, going through a breakup, hooked up, and I like right. w- w- got back with this gal that you would have caught that, AIDS that night. <laughs> I think you dodged I might AIDS. Have liked that thing. That's how I, yeah, this is all meant to be. I'm serious. <laughs> Let's just think of it that way. <laughs> I was like tying one on. Not to be judgmental of anyone with AIDS. Everyone wants it and it's fine to be, to have it. Everyone wants but it. That's a, that's a crazy <laughs> Everyone's cool sentence. with it. 
<laughs> I'm just trying to be accepting of those with AIDS listening. We all we all are cool with you having AIDS, and we want it to. Oh shit. Um, but yeah, we do try to avoid it normally. Um, that's I think that's meant to be, but you'll have group sex again. I don't know. I think that was a sign. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a thing you should that you need to have in your life. It was like on. I was like, it's on, and the the gal I was with was like, hell yeah, she was like wilder than me. Did your relationship last long after that? Was that like a good relationship? No, no, no. I was getting out of. I was like, oh, the girl that you were with though, like the that gal night. I was with that night was like a gal I hooked up with before I dated the gal that Got blew it. up in my face. So I was like, I'm going back to her because you were a dick to me, and like, oh yeah, and we're going, we're having a wild hair up our ass kind of night, and and uh, and then um, I ate half a sandwich. And went God, to those sleep. two girls were coming over to fuck you guys. How did you find them? How did you know they were down? Like, how does this all get organized? Um, you know what? We have to break for commercial, real quick. Okay, that's really coincidental. Yeah. That came uh, up we've at never, a time that you don't I've never broke for commercial either. I just usually record through. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know how you organize one. It just sounds fun. Well, there's clubs. Well, of course there's clubs. Fet Life and there's uh, Thrinder. Well, there's clubs called strip clubs. Oh, duh. Okay. <laughs> there's clubs called strip clubs. That's That would be my first guess, actually, if I would have thought even for a second. Yeah. I love strip clubs. This is why I didn't want to poison your virgin ears with my... You, you want to hear what I did? This is one of the coolest things I've ever done. Because I love strippers, but I don't like going to strippers, strip clubs because I don't want like them to like try to flirt with me. Like I don't like when it's like, oh, she's like... Everyone's going to watch them be lesbians. I like don't like... I want to be like in control of it. I don't want to be like the like, like, person in the chair. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, you're like, it is my birthday. Ooh. Yeah. I wish I could be like invisible in strip clubs because I like watching guys become that kind of like... Ugh. They're kind of stupid and these women are all like walking around powerfully. Um, but my boyfriend was in London and I was um, not going to be able to see him for his birthday. And it was like kind of a bummer because I had to get surgery. And so it was just like, I just can't be there. It's going to be fun. You're going to go out with your friends. But I wish I could be there. And that what he didn't know was I was going to plan it. And I was having surgery soon after that. But I was going to just come in for 12 hours and leave the next day. And you were getting surgery in London? No, I was getting surgery in Boston. So that's why I couldn't go to London. It was like this was on a Monday night and I was getting surgery on Thursday. So it was like, I just can't make it, babe. I'm so sorry. But then I decided to go to London. I talked to his friends I that he was with. And I was like, okay, I am coming to town. Bring him to a strip club. Get him a lap dance. And then I'm going to come out dressed as a stripper in this dark room and like oh, surprise shit. him. That's tight. And it's so good, right? So, because um, I, I like when he goes to strip clubs. Like, I'm I kind of into that kind of thing. So, I was like, this will be perfect. And I know he likes them. So, they went and got him and brought him to one. And I went, I flew to London that day and like went to Zara and got like this stripperiest outfit, which you can surprisingly find at Zara, a pretty good stripper outfit. Tell me something I don't know, honey. <laughs> and then got a wig. I had already bought a wig and um, I went and I went there early and met with some strippers to like tell them the plan. And they were like, okay, we'll get him. And I didn't know this in London that lap dances, they can't touch you. So you just get a room with someone and then they just like dance in front of you, which is like, who would pay for that? Prostitution's legal in England. <laughs> yeah. And the strippers can't touch you. They can't. Then you can pay a woman to have sex with you. Yeah. I mean, it seemed to be on that, you know, that kind of system, but they were very adamant, like we can't touch them, which bummed me out because... I wanted to walk in while he's like getting a lap dance from these girls and be like, I'm going to come in now, you know, like and just be a, a sassy stripper to be like, get off, ladies. And then it's his girlfriend. Uh -huh. It'd be fun. But they're just like dancing in front of him and they come to get me. And then I walk into the room that he's in with these two girls and they're like, here's our friend. And 
uh, he like gets up to like shake my hand. It was really nice. It was like pleasure to meet you. The way that you would want your boyfriend to greet a stripper. Yeah, yeah. He passed. He passed the test. He was like, "Hey, I'm Chris. Nice to meet you." And I go, "I'm Nikki." And he was just like. What the fuck? And I was topless too because I wasn't gonna be topless because I was like, I don't want to be topless around other people. But the, both the strippers were topless, so right before I went in, I was like, I'm just gonna like commit to this. Whoa, you blew his mind. And so it was really fun that I got to be a stripper for a little bit. But as soon as I got up to him, then his wife came in, and you were like, Who is this? <laughs> As soon as I touched him, though, the security guards were like, get off him because they thought I was a real stripper. So I was pretty flattered. Wow, congrats. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got it. And then we then we got out of there. But it was it was really fun. I th But I love strip clubs and have no problem with you going there. And and, and uh, I think it's cool to. Oh, uh, yeah. Set up I, yeah. I, I, Those I girls felt, are fun. I felt particularly shy and vulnerable. To, it's telling such a titillating tale in front of my no. co-workers. Oh, yeah, that, that could be it. That's always the thing about podcasts is like if we're having a conversation that we would have if we were alone, but there's right now four other people just listening <laughs> <Yeah>. quietly. <laughs> so it just like if we were just thinking about the audience, we maybe wouldn't care. But like just right. having one person be yes. just a couple people in the same. I'm alone in my room, thank God. But like I know that on Zoom and like in your room, there's a, there's other people that are. No, I'm like in an office right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm like. <laughs> so office. weird yes okay well thank you for sharing that with us for <laughs> i mean the end, also the end of the story is just me like taking a nap it's not like if the end of the story was like and yeah. hell yeah i got fucking laid like <laughs> hardcore i jizzed everywhere then you'd be like ah jeez. but the end of the story is i oh, ate a sandwich and i took an eight hour nap <laughs> it's like super perfectly lame <laughs> i was trying to be like i don't know you were so almost cool. Yeah, I was so almost cool, and I, I it was, was close. Just a lame middle-aged man. with Eric Andre. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. 
What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What's the worst bomb you've ever seen that you would you didn't experience oh. personally, but when you okay? Seen, can I just? I'm not gonna name names, but I saw one you recently. Don't have to name names. You can. It's, I saw one recently, dude. It was so funny because I'd never seen this guy before. We could also bleep the name. Well, I saw this me. guy. I don't think we need to say his name because it honestly doesn't. It, it's Sebastian Maniscalco. No, I, I didn't know how popular this guy was when I saw him. I'd never seen him before, but he's a big deal. And he's more of like a TikTok guy, but it's not Matt Rife either. Can you text me after this? Yeah, I'll tell you exactly. Cur- it's I'm not even going to be that exciting because you'll be able to see what I'm talking about almost immediately. I'll cut it out. Just tell me now. Matt- I don't know. Exactly. But he's a bit okay. like he's got a lot of followers. He's got like he sells out theaters like he does well for himself. And he's like, I didn't know he was a big deal. He's actually really nice. But I went up. I was at the Laugh Factory one night not that long ago. And he no one in the crowd really knew of his fame and his he just was bombing so badly and there was a guy that was heckling him and because he's a crowd work guy and so that's his bread and butter but he just lost like he couldn't handle this guy that was just I forget I really forget the context of it but it was so hard to watch and so uncomfortable to be in the room with like it was a massive massive bomb for very for a very long time he was seemed very shaken by it um he couldn't keep he couldn't get it back up and I got the impression that, you know, the, the other comics in the room, it meant something to him that we were witnessing this. And I felt really bad. I almost wanted to leave because I just didn't want him to know that I knew that he uh, like sucked because this is the first time I'm seeing him. So I just think this guy sucks. Right. Turns out he's like very good at crowd work. And it's which I do think is a, a, a talent that I don't have. But this was just an offset for him. Is crowd work now the cool thing? Because when we were coming up, like I would do crowd work and, and people it was shameful. and people would be like, don't do crowd work. Crowd work's easy. You're not allowed. It was like, you're not allowed to do crowd work. Since when is something that's branded easy? Like not you, you, anything that's easy. People go, you can't do it. It's like, actually, it works, though. It sorry comes easy to me. Like, I don't it doesn't come easy to me. Crowd work to me is like very scary and difficult. I don't even do it. So I think when it's done well, it's really impressive. I think when it's like worthless clips on Instagram. so discouraged. I remember yeah, like, it was. loving doing it and relishing Because it. people were threatened by it. Because oh. it's, it's. I think people that are, I'm a joke writer. They're like, I don't really, I'm not good off the cuff. And I'm speaking for me. 
we're like, we want to make you feel bad about this thing that you do well. And so we're like, if you do that, uh, you're a hack because we can't do it. And we're you must write a joke and prepare. Uh, so I think that's where it comes from. But now it's more acceptable as it should be. I think it's a, a, a cool talent. I think it's cool, too. I always thought it was cool. I was like, why not? Why not be spontaneous? And audiences fucking love it. It works. Yeah, it gives a fuck. But the, if something's easy, people go, it's not real stand up, like talking about sex too much. It's too easy. It's like, is that easy? I never thought it was easy. I, yeah, it's I, not I, easy. I never thought it was easy. That was the criticism that it got. You're right. That is it. Let's make it clear. It's not easy. It's not easy. But people say it is. And, and, and that's what I say about when people brand a lot of comedians as sex comics like myself of like, all they talk about sex or, or like they're just raunchy. And I think people think you do it because it's easy. And it, it, it is easy for me to talk about my sex life and make fun of it. But I don't think it's easy for most people. And I do think that is therein is some kind of talent. Whether I, you know. Nothing's easy. Nothing's easy. Comedy's hard. But people like to say things are easy because they can't do it. And it's like, maybe you yeah, don't, you're not a dirty comic because you don't have the balls to be one. Maybe not because yeah. it's so easy to be a dirty yeah, comic. Maybe not easy. you're not one because it, it's not easy for you. Whereas being a clean comic is not easy for me. But just because it's easy, I don't want to watch people I like do things that are hard for them. I don't want to watch Jerry Seinfeld play the oboe. Like, just right. because that would be hard for him, I'm not like, wow. Like, doing comedy is easy for him. It takes a lot of work, but like, why does everyone, we always want to see someone doing something that's so hard, you know, like. I don't know. That's what bugs me when people say, it's easy for her. It's like, yeah, that's me, because I'm inclined to do this thing. That's, you know, I'm going in the direction of what my personality is like. I talk about sex. But, um, so I saw this guy bomb. Yes. And I think it was really good because He'll never be impressive to me after seeing that. Like, he will never, I will never have, I will never respect him. Why is that good? Because I think sometimes when, it's not like I will ever, uh, I respect him. You will never respect him. I'll never be intimidated by him because I've seen Ah, him faint, essentially. You know what I mean? Like, he'll never be able to showboat around me or act like he's. You've seen his human moment. Yeah. I know he can suck sometimes. So like. It's like my friend was like, anytime you want to talk to a hot girl. Just imagine them taking a shit. Yes. They all do it. Man. I saw this guy and take a like, dump right, and many people right, have dude. seen me take a dump. And it's so you can't get it out of your head. But because it was the first thing I saw of him, it's cemented. It's kind of like you can't go back to your home club because you bomb there so much. That's all they yeah. remember you for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah, being yeah. awkward on stage. So I think um, that bomb, I, I was like, I felt bad for him. But it was um, ever since then, he's killed. Absolutely murdered like hard to follow murdered but i'm always like no i saw you fucking you eat saw, it once so bad and you had real. no exit strategy to ah, run. Ha, ha, there was ha. no rescuing you it was so bad uh, um and i hope yeah. that never happens to me again but it definitely will and that's the part about stand-up comedy that's fun uh, i have to go i have to too <laughs> is that the, is that the buzzer <laughs> Uh, Nikki, I love you so much. I love you, you, Eric. So much for thank you. It was so fun to talk. When you get out of the prison that is St. Louis, I love my mom and dad. Not gonna do it. Please come hang out with me. I would love it. And let's go watch um, people bomb. We're friends. I thought we were friends until we. You said we're friends. <laughs> I just decided that we are. You should have questioned it before. <laughs> <laughs>
with Eric Andre. Bombing with Eric Andre is brought to you by Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network and iHeart Podcast. Executive produced by Hans Sani and Olivia Aguilar. Edited and sound designed by Andy Harris. Our art is by Dylan Vanderberg. And if you want to confess to your own bombing moments or give us a shout out, go rate us five stars and drop a review on your podcast app of choice. Write about your own stories of bombing at life. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe to Big Money Players Diamond to get exclusive bonus content with every episode and listen to all my episodes ad-free. The guests on Bombing with Eric Andre were recorded before the SAG after strike, so leave me alone, internet. Bye! Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.